0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Associate Pastor, Reverend Henry Coates. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpressevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter three, verses one through 19. Please join me in prayer. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Acts chapter three, verses one through 19. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon and a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no gold, I have no silver, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw that the people were astonished at the man's healing, he addressed them. You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we were witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him the perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, my friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody.
1: Uh, It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. Uh, Whether you are here with us in the parking lot this morning or if you're joining us online, I just checked our church online service. We have about 120 uh, different connections, so that could be anywhere from 120 people to 300 people. Who knows? But wherever you may be in the world today, We are happy that you are worshiping with us this morning. To state the obvious, we are outside. And as long as the weather holds, we are going to be outside as long as the construction efforts inside our sanctuary proceed. Conducting worship in our parking lot, in the shadow of the church, there's something to it. There's something evocative about the very thing that we are doing today. It's nothing too fancy, perhaps, but at least as far as I look at it, it's something very real, something old school, perhaps. In fact, it reminds me of our passage for today. Uh, We are in Acts, and we're going to be in Acts for the next several weeks. After Easter, we go to Acts to get a sense of the early history of the church, the early preaching of Peter and company. These were the guys who had abandoned Jesus at the cross, but who after God had raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus had welcomed and restored and placed in positions of leadership. In Acts, we move from stories of Jesus' resurrection to tales of the early days of the church, of Peter, of James, the brother of Jesus, and John. Now, Paul will eventually show up on the scene, but he's not here yet in chapter 3. We aim to listen, to learn from them, as these first apostles preached and taught the good news of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth, as Jesus had exhorted them to do. Our passage today in Acts takes place in the shadow of the temple, the Jewish temple of Jerusalem. Right now we have Peter and John walking to the temple for early morning prayers with their fellow Jews, and they come to what is called the beautiful gate, and there is a man there, lame from birth. He he can't walk. He's got a bum leg. Peter, like Jesus, understood that preaching, which is divorced from deeds of love, is without power to evoke belief. So he says to the man lame from birth, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And this command to walk is followed by Peter reaching out his hand and helping the man stand up. Peter doesn't only talk the talk, he backs up his words with action. That's what Christians should be known for, for more than just our talk. We speak in Jesus' name, and we act in Jesus' name. And Peter took the man by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately the man's feet and ankles were made strong. And this man who was lame, he begins to walk and he begins to leap and he shouts praises of joy. And people see this and they start to run and surround Peter, John, and the man now healed. And Peter begins to preach. He begins to point to the power of the name of Jesus in the shadow of the temple. This is typical for the start of the book of Acts. Peter gives a lot of speeches and they all run similarly. Uh, To be honest it can be hard to keep them straight at times. But what Peter does above all else is that he preaches Jesus. He interprets recent history to his fellow Jews so that they can understand truly what has been going on. He says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Peter says this, whom you all handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though Pilate had decided to release him. But you all, rejected the Holy and Righteous One, and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you all killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. To this we are witnesses. Let that sink in for a second. Picking up in verse 16, And by faith... In his name, the name of Jesus, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And the verse, though, that I keep coming back to as I think over this passage again and again and again is the next one, verse 17, where Peter slips this in and now friends i know you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers now i've heard of sins of commission i've heard of sins of omission and now here i hear of sins of ignorance he really is saying that yes you all saw to the death of jesus but But you did so out of ignorance. You too can be forgiven. I wonder if Peter has in the back of his mind how he, himself, utterly abandoned Jesus at the moment when Jesus needed him the most. I wonder as he uttered these words in the shadow of the temple, did he recall how he had denied Jesus by name three times, I know him not. But you all rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you all killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And now, friends, I know you acted in ignorance. You can almost hear the compassion in his voice ache outwards. Now, I find that haunting. I don't know about you but verse 17 troubles me actually because my God what have I done what have I done out of ignorance what have we done out of ignorance and how has this ignorance I'm not quite sure how to word this but how has this ignorance led to Christ's death what are the ways that we crucify Jesus What are the ways that we diminish his name? I get that this sounds dramatic. But today I want us to think, I want you all to think, wherever you may be, what does it mean to crucify Christ today? It doesn't need to be on purpose. It can be on accident. But have we sat and examined, as Peter perhaps here invites us to, How we have damaged our witness to the one true God revealed in Jesus. Because that's what I think it means, in part, to crucify Jesus again today. Now, in asking this question, I'm not here to condemn us. I want you to hear that. I'm not here to condemn Peter wasn't standing in the shadow of the temple to beat up on his fellow co-religionists to make them feel bad. No, he was calling them to repent, to turn towards Jesus. Look, Look at verse 19 if you're able. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. He recalls them to repent twice, if you look closely at that verse. Did you notice that? He says, repent, and then he says again, and turn to God. Repent and turn to God. It's doubly emphasized there. To repent of what? Verse 17, their sins of ignorance. Peter really cares about them. He really wants to see people reconciled to God. Not just people. But these people, you can feel Peter's love. And in that love, you can see, perhaps, and feel, perhaps, a taste of God's love for us, despite our sins of commission, omission, and ignorance. Sins of ignorance have consequences, just as all sin does. Russell D. Moore, an American theologian, ethicist, and preacher, um, is currently president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, uh, the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And in his recent newsletter this past week, he commented on a Gallup poll that was making the rounds online just this past month. The number of Americans now affiliated with a church is just 47%. What is significant is not just the low number, but the speed of the plummet, from 68% of Americans 28 years ago to 47% now. And the numbers are even worse than they appear. Gen X is less affiliated than baby boomers and millennials less than Gen X and Generation Z is looking to be even less affiliated than them all. One in five American adults claim no religious affiliation, referring to these so-called nuns, that's not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, those claiming no religious affiliation. Sociologist Philip Jenkins contends, the future of the USA is none. Now what caused this? Many things. Many books and articles have been written and more are being written on the rise of the nuns, which number about 21% of the total American population, about equal to those who identify as evangelicals. And a myriad of reasons sourced in statistical studies have been offered, broken trust, politics, the internet, and more people telling the truth about what they do or do not believe or how they truly feel about the church. Yet another recently published study shows that 72% of American all-adults believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came to earth to die for our sins. 72%. So, more confess Christ than would be caught dead walking into a church. Especially among younger generations. What's going on here? I think it's a fair question to ask. I think one could say that this is a consequence of sins of ignorance, the kind that Peter references in our passage, the kind of ignorance that demeans the cause of Christ and our witness as Christians. I think we need to ask ourselves here perhaps a painful question. How have we ourselves perhaps contributed to this? Russell Moore makes an observation that I identify with. He writes, we now see young Christians walking away from Christianity not because they do not believe what the church teaches, but because they believe the church itself does not believe what the church teaches. Let me repeat that. We now see young Christians walking away from Christianity not because they do not believe what the Church teaches, but because they believe the Church itself does not believe what the Church teaches. The presenting issue in this secularization is not scientism and hedonism, but disillusionment and cynicism disillusionment, and cynicism. People of my generation and younger, heck, older people too, watch what so-called Christian leaders say on television and in political rallies, and perhaps they just say no. Enough. If that's what it means to be a Christian, then I'm out. No more. See, what we do and what we say in the shadow of the church matters now maybe this reminds you of someone in your family a son or a daughter brother a sister who grew up in the church but now won't have anything to do with it perhaps this breaks your heart I know it does for some of you because you've told me you didn't do anything wrong at least not on purpose Remember what Peter said in verse 17 out of compassion. And now, friends, I know you acted in ignorance. Now, I'm not a doomer. I'm not a sky is falling kind of guy. But this is a big deal. What I do know is that in response to this loss of faith, not in Christ, but in Christ's church, is that we need to collectively reflect to think, to pray, to throw ourselves on the mercy of God and repent. What's our way back from all of this? To echo Romans 7.24 and 7.25, who can rescue us from this trajectory of almost certain death? Thanks be to God who delivers us through Christ Jesus our Lord. Just as piety didn't make the lame man walk, our own holiness and piety won't save us. It won't grow our church or increase our giving. No. Our own efforts won't do nothing. Silver or gold, I have none. All I have is the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Jesus alone offers us a way out. Only Jesus can save us by the power of God revealed in the old rugged cross of Calvary. So what do we do? What does our scripture for today say? We repent. We turn to God and rise up and walk. What we do in the shadow of the church matters. Now, today, we stand and worship in the shadow of our church, just as Peter preached in the shadow of the temple. The world is watching, whether we like it or not. Our neighbors are watching us. What kind of eyes do they see us with? Eyes of appreciation, eyes of resentment, or even worse, eyes of indifference? I don't know. Now, sooner or later, we'll be back inside. It is my deep prayer, my deepest prayer, that we heed Peter's words in the shadow of the temple to find ourselves a community of repentance, a witnessing community of the cross, of the hope of resurrection. That places Jesus Christ and his command to love one another at the center of who we are. To truly come to grips with the reality that silver and gold we have none, and ultimately are not the answer. All we have is the name of Jesus. And it is that name, above all other things, that defines who and whose we are but for now we're out here in the shadow of our church so let us let us rise up and walk and see what god will do to god be the glory forever and ever amen and amen